I'd just like to welcome every one of us, wherever you are, wherever you are watching from, uh, Africa, in this wonderful, beautiful nation of Australia, and of course in the nations of the earth, the North America. I want to welcome us to the very last service of the year for us at the City of Refuge, Melbourne, and the 52nd service, or the 52nd, the 52nd Sunday. Today is the very last Sunday of the year 2021. And I checked it, so they'll be very accurate. Uh, there are 52 Sundays, so we've had 51 Sundays. And this is the 52nd one, the very last one. And I'm so filled with gratitude today that from the very beginning of this year, God has kept you. God has kept me. God has kept all of us and ensured that we are together again at the very last Sunday of the year. What a good God. What a gracious God. That today you are not missing. That today we're not talking about the fact that, oh, you know, he passed on or she passed on. God kept you. And there were so many people that lost their lives in the course of the year, especially as a result of this devastating pandemic. But God has kept us, and God has kept you, and we remain full of gratitude to him for that. And for those who lost loved ones to COVID-19 and this infectious disease, I praise that the Lord will continue to come for those whom who are left behind, and the Lord will restore. Trust him for restoration. He will restore and he will comfort in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I have a major announcement for us this morning, and that announcement is the fact that we will be having a crossover night service at our new church building. Hallelujah. I can hear your shout wherever you are. I can hear you. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good all the time. It's very, very, God is just so faithful. We were called, we were having discussions with them. And then on the last day of our upper room prayer meeting, something broke through. Hallelujah. We were called and we collected the keys to the building on that day. You'll be ready, 31st of December. You'll be there for the crossover night. Come, not well, because that day is a bit of warfare. I wouldn't say come with your dancing shoes yet, but you can come with that because we still need to thank God. But on the 2nd of January, that's when I want you to come with your dancing shoes so that we want to praise God, we want to dance, we want to rejoice the way David danced before the Heavenly Father. Amen. Praise God. But this Sunday, after the service, the prayer team will be meeting there to start to clear the cobwebs and start to clear the heavenlies so that we can make way and make room for heaven to descend on the 31st of December and, of course, subsequent Sundays. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. That is God crowning our year with his goodness. Amen. The journey that started some months back, practically at the beginning of the year. I remember he spoke to me in the month of January. He said transfer of ownership. Before we started any negotiation, before we even had any contract signed, before anything at all, God spoke and said it 
Property has been what? Transferred. The ownership has been what? Transferred. I've learned one thing about the prophetic word. And I want to encourage you to hold on to the prophetic word. What has God spoken to you in the course of the year? What has God been saying to you in the course of the year? Sometimes we want to see the manifestation before we say, okay, if I see it, I'll believe it. That's not scripture. That's not the Bible. That's not the word of God. If you have seen it, then we don't have anything to believe again. Because it's already here. But the believing kicks in when you are here to see it. When nothing is looking like it. When you choose to trust God in spite of the circumstances. In spite of the situation. And especially because the enemy is master of manipulating circumstances and the natural. He will present pictures to you that will look as if this thing can never, never be. Can never, never come to pass. That is when you as a believer will remember the word of the Lord and start to declare it in spite of it. Because the prophetic word is like a guided missile. Looking for the believing heart to walk in the believer's life. When you take God's word in your mouth and start to declare in spite of. You know what happens? Heaven descends. Angels are activated. And the word of God is, you know, is released to start to perform what God has ordained it to be. Amen. Praise God. We must be prophetic believers. The New Testament is apostolic and prophetic in nature. Which means downloading what is in the heart of the Father. And declaring and pronouncing it in spite of. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I have a question for you. Do you want to rule and reign on earth? Do you want to dominate your circumstances? Do you want to be above and not beneath? Do you want to be a victor and not a victim? Then learn to walk by the principles of the word of God. Amen. Because we have things around us. So many things around us. Especially negative forces contending for the thing that God wants to do in our lives. And I'm telling you, if you're not willing to stand, <laughs> you will be definitely what? They will withstand you. Amen. I say, if you're not willing to stand, they will what? So be willing to take a stand. Amen. In spite of it all, so that heaven can walk and act on your behalf. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for once again how you've brought us together from so many places. Thank you for many that are watching from their homes. And thank you for what you've done for, for us. So many testimonies. So many things that you've done for your people. Where do we start from? Oh Lord, my God, I stand before you this morning. On behalf of your people, on behalf of everyone, on behalf of the apostolic community of the city of Refuge, Melbourne, to say thank you. Thank you for how you have kept us. Thank you for how you have been providing for us. Thank you for how you have been watching over us. Thank you for the things you did. Thank you for the things you are doing. Thank you for the things that you will do in the days to come. We look forward with expectation. In fact, we look forward with great expectation to what the future holds. But Lord, we know that in our future is peace because of what you're spoken and what you're saying and what indeed you have promised us. Thank you, Father, for transfer of ownership. Thank you that indeed we have stepped into the promise that you gave to us at the beginning of this year. Thank you because you're a promise keeper. You're a covenant keeper, not a covenant breaker. 
we just rejoice. We are glad indeed. Thank you, wonderful Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. To be very honest with you, rounding that prayer, I almost felt like just bursting into singing and dancing and rejoicing. If it were to be church, I would start to do it. You know, we just start to do it and start to dance and dance, dance before the Lord, before this good God, this gracious God, this covenant-keeping God, this beautiful God, the God that never fails, the God that has kept you, the God that has kept me in spite of circumstances not looking like it. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning I'll be finishing what I started several Sundays ago. We started looking at contending earnestly for the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. And today will be part five of that particular series. Part five. Contending earnestly for the faith, which was once delivered to the saints. Every one of us will agree that we are living in challenging circumstances. The past few years have proven to be exactly that. In fact, they've lent credence to this. 2019, who would have thought that the next two years there will be lockdown, lock-in, lockdown, lock-in, Omicron variant, mutants and all of these languages and things that were never part of our discourse. Suddenly, not just crept in, but took over. But we thank God for one thing. That in the midst of it all, we are here standing and praising God for his faithfulness. It's been challenging for many. Many have lost their wants. Many have lost means of livelihood. But in the midst of it all, God has been faithful. Once again, I want to say this. If you've lost a close one, if you've lost a relative, maybe you've lost a spouse, or maybe even your business because of this pandemic, trust God that the God who restores will revisit you again. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ. The reason why God has kept you and why God spared your life is because he has not finished with you. Start to look forward to the future with hope and not look back to the thing that has happened. Because God will restore and God will revisit and God will renew in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So how do we live as people of faith in these challenging times? How do we hold on to our faith? Especially when so many things are happening. I was told yesterday about how many flights were cancelled. Of people planned who were already, you know, they planned it. They bought the tickets. They've done so many things to go and spend the Christmas with their loved ones and close family and everything like that. But at the last minute, because of this variant, because of this uh, close con, whatever it is, many flights were cancelled. And it was almost like chaos at the airport in Melbourne and in many places, not just here, even in Europe and in America too, because of the situation uh, that was, I mean, that is currently with us now. Sometimes it's quite challenging. How do we live? 
How do we live? That is why it is important that we learn to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Let's go to the book of Jude, chapter number one, and I'll start to read from verse number one. Jude, chapter number one, from verse number one. What does it say? Jude, chapter number one, from verse number one. It's only one chapter in the book of Jude. Somebody say, where is Jude? The last book before the book of Revelations. Jude, chapter one, from verse number one. It reads, and I quote, Jude, a born servant of Jesus Christ. He was actually half-brother of Jesus. They grew up in the same household. They were the children that Mary gave birth to after the birth of Jesus. That is why, yes, he gave birth to Jesus as a virgin, but he did not remain a virgin. I know that there are denominations that kept on referring to him as Virgin Mary. We thank God for, his, for her life. We thank God for how God used her. But she did not remain a virgin all her life. She had other children. I can show you from scriptures. Jude, a bond servant, and Jude was actually one of them. A bond servant, servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to those who are called. Remember last week, those who are what? Called and what again? Chosen and what again? Faithful. To those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. We have been preserving him. That's why you and I are here today, the very last Sunday of the year, the 52nd Sunday of the year 2021. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. That's my prayer for you, that the Lord will arise and have mercy upon you. That he will not give you what you deserve. You know, because someone said, because if he gives you what you deserve, you do not measure up. You do not measure up. I, I don't want to stand and say, Lord, give me what I deserve. I'm always praying, Lord, I stand in grace. Because I want much, much more. Much, much more. And it's only the grace of God that can give you that. Mercy will prevent you from receiving what you deserve. Grace will give you the thing that you don't deserve. Say, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you, concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you, to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. To contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. This was written thousands of years ago, but how relevant it is for us today that the word of God again is coming to us on the 26th of December 2021 to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the, to the saints. What exactly does that word content mean? I've defined it, but for the past two or three weeks, we've not been looking at that because of Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I want to remind us of the things that we looked at before. And I'll take us again to that, uh, you know, uh, I shared with you from the Merriam-Webster 1828 dictionary, what exactly that word contain, what it means. And here it means to strive against, to struggle in opposition to, to strive against, to struggle in opposition to, to use earned efforts, to obtain, to defend, to preserve. To reprove, to reclaim. Very, very powerful words. And also to 
punish. Very interesting. I'll repeat those words. It means to strive against. To struggle in opposition to. To use earnest efforts. Meaning that this is not uh, half-baked efforts. Or just saying something that you don't mean. Just okay, we're going to contend. You're just probably saying it for, this, for saying sake. No, this is heartfelt. This is something coming from your inside. You are committed to it. You are dedicated to it. It's something that is very close to your heart. It means to dispute honestly. It means to reprove sharply. It means to reclaim. To reclaim grounds that have been lost. To strive in opposition to. To punish. Why would we need to contend? You contend for something that is precious. You contend for something that is valuable. And you contend for something that is about to be stolen or lost if you do not do anything about it. And I'm telling you, we live in times and days that if we are not fervent regarding our faith, we will lose it. Because the ground you are not taking is a ground that you are giving up. Hello, the ground that you are not taking is the ground you are giving up. That is why being in faith is consistent. You must be consistent or consistently advancing. Consistently advancing. You cannot just word, oh, we need to relax now. We need to be at word, at ease now. In fact, the Bible says, woe to those who are at ease in Zion. Does it mean that we're not just to, you know, <laughs> we need, we're not to have our holidays and the rest of it. That's not what it's saying. It's just saying that you need to be at alert always. You need to be at alert. We have not been called to be at ease. We have been called to be at peace. Be at peace with one another. So we are at alert. We are watchful in the spirit. We are watch. What is God saying regarding the situation? What is God saying to us? What is his word to us in spite of the circumstances taking place or around? Because there will always be continuous noise from the city. Now why the noise are, they're blaring the news? Why Channel 7 is saying this? Why Channel 9 is saying this? And my very good friend Daniel Andrew is saying his own too. Why those things as he must be able to hear from God what is God saying about the matter? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. But let me take you to the TPT version of the Bible. And we see some of this is actually mentioned there. TPT version of the Bible. I'll read again from verse number one. From Judah. Hallelujah. Judah, are you watching? From Judah, a loving servant of Jesus, the anointed one, and brother of Jacob. Judah is actually the Aramaic name uh, for Jude. And Jacob, also the same name for James. From Judah, a loving servant of Jesus, the anointed one, the brother of Jacob, I'm writing to the chosen ones who are wrapped in the love of Father God, kept and guarded for Jesus the Messiah. May God's mercy, peace, and love cascade over you. Verse 3, dearly loved friend, I was fully intending to write to you about our amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt the need instead to challenge you 
to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. That is what this entire series is all about. The Spirit of God challenging you. God himself challenging you to contend earnestly, to defend vigorously the belief, the faith that has been committed to your hands. The word that came to you at the beginning of the year. The word that God has been speaking to you in the course of the year. To stand by it. To hold on vigorously. To defend it. Those words. Those valuable words from the mouth of the Father. Because the prophetic word is not an end in itself. Because God has spoken does not mean it's not time to go to bed. In fact, if you go to bed, you are likely to wake up still at the same spot. If you say, yes, God has spoken. In fact, so many prophecies, pastor spoke to us. He gave us and then the next thing is to go to bed and cover yourself up. Oh yes, you wake up at the same place. Because the best dreams come to pass when we are alive. When we are awake. Thank you. So you must be alert. You must be holding on to it. In fact, in scriptures, you know what Paul wrote to Timothy to do? He said, wait the good warfare by those prophecies that have gone ahead of you. They are like GPS to show you the map to travel upon. That means that if you refuse to start the car, and refuse to move in the direction of the GPS. GPS alone will not take you by putting on the GPS while sitting in your car, not driving, not starting the car, not moving. You just, you're, you're just sitting down there and say, yes, I put on the GPS. Now I should land in that place now. You will wake up and still be seated where you are. Not land in the place. So they are prof- the prophetic words are to guide us. When God releases the word, you totally hold on the word. You run with them. You run with them. You declare them. You believe them. You are contending for them. Especially when the enemy is trying to steal those words from your heart. Steal them from your life. That is why the word has been coming to us to contend earnestly for the faith. Which was one delivered to the saints. And I remember I mentioned the three areas. Number one. We spoke about Satan being the number one inhibitor. Because you don't need to contend if there are no word inhibitors. What were inhibitors? Those who stand against this word from coming to pass. Those who endeavor to ensure that the thing is stolen. And it says contend. Don't allow inhibitors to steal the words. To take that away from you. And I remember mentioning to us the number one inhibitor, the enemy. I took us to the garden where the entire thing started. How he, in a very subtle way, came in and he deceived Adam and Eve. And he's still operating the same way today. The enemy is so subtle. Nobody will fall for his tricks if he will land with two horns or three horns or four horns. One of my little ones came to me today, this morning. He said, I had a dream, Daddy Pastor. And I said, what dream did you have? He said, I saw that, you know, I mentioned a particular movie. Uh, I've never watched it. He said, have you watched this movie? I said, yes, I've watched it about ten times. You know, of course, I've not watched it. I've just put it in her legs, you know. And he said, I saw that movie, you know, and, and, and that this particular of this particular person, this particular demonic person was, was there. 
and he said you were handed seven, maybe seven weapons or seven arrows, and you were shooting the thing at the thing, and you were taking the taking you are taking it off, and you are taking it off, and you are shooting it so accurately and and completely demolishing that that demonic element and and the rest of it. I just smiled. I didn't say anything. I said, thank you for your dream. And, and then she left me. And, but let me say this. The enemy is so subtle. If you are not at alert, if you are not ready, if you are not, we live in very interesting days. The days we are in are not like the days of old. The days we are in are days that if you are not at alert, if you are not especially prayerful, God has spoken to me. He said, there are things ahead of us. But if we not endeavor to go back to the prayer room, the way we did for the last three months, waging warfare in the spirit, pushing back in the spirit. He said, if we not do that, then we'll give the enemy room to regain a lot of grounds that we've taken. She came and said, you are shooting the arrows. You are hitting the target. Said God gave seven. Seven is the number of perfection. Perfection. Amen. First inhibitor, the Satan, the enemy. The Bible says, Satan is your word. Our word. The adversary. Maybe we should go there quickly and read it. First Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. What does it say? Say, be sober and be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, the word devil, or the name devil means adversary, or your opponent, or the one that is opposing you. Say, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 now says, resist him what? Resist him. How do you resist him? Resist him once in a while. Resist him occasionally. No, resist him being steady. Being steady. Stand your ground in the faith. Being steady. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him being steadfast in the faith. Be steady in your faith. I'll read to us from the TPT version. It said, be well balanced. Always alert. Be well balanced and always alert. I was talking about being at alert. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly. That means that he doesn't take time off. Roams around incessantly. Doing what? Like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. Looking for its prey to devour. That means if we don't pray, you are likely to become a prey. That is why God has been encouraging us to pray. I'm pressing in prayers. Looking for a prey to devour. Verse 9. Take a decisive stand against him. Resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. For you know that your believing brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing the same kinds of trouble that you endure. That means that nobody is having a free ride. It might be different, but everyone is what? Is having to confront this particular, uh, this enemy or lawbreaker. I'll read it to us from the message. It says, keep a cool head, stay alert, 
the devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Or just read verse 9. He loved to better cap you what? Napping. You know napping. While men slept, the enemy sowed what? Tears. Fifth inhibitor number two, the world. We looked at that about three weeks ago. The Bible says, love not the world or the things that are in the world. What are the things that are in the world? The loss of the eyes, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. But now, this is what Jesus, this is a scripture that has blessed me again and again and again. You know, John 16, 33. John 16, 33. That in the world, you have what? The problems. The world is like an inhibitor. What does it mean by the world? The systems of this world. So it's so difficult many times for faith people to, to, you know, to be able to stand on your faith, live by your faith in such an oppressive world where everything around is totally contrary to faith. When people regard it as an affront, when you even talk about your faith. But John 16, 33 says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have what? You may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Those are words from the master's lips himself. Let me read it to Ross from the Amplified Classic. What a classic rendition of that verse. 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustrations, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus said, these are the words from the master's lips. And do you know that he would not say something I said, do you know I was actually joking when I said that? No, no, no. That's not Jesus. That's not my Lord. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And he said, he said, I've deprived it of power to harm you, and I've conquered it for you. All we need to do is to believe what he has said about these things. Because when you believe it, you keen to it, and then you experience it. But when you doubt it, you do without this morning, I'll be looking at faith inhibitor number three, and I'll round it off. We've looked at Satan, faith inhibitor number one, the world, faith inhibitor number two, and then number three is what? I miss church. This will be the time that I will not come and face some of us. <laughs> it's impossible to sleep while I'm preaching. Hello, I will find you out. It is impossible. <laughs> because right now, four or five people will have to answer this question. But I'm patiently waiting for us to resume. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Faith inhibitor number three, the flesh. The flesh. Satan, what? Two, the word, and then number three, the flesh. What exactly do we mean by the flesh? Let's go to the book of Romans chapter 8 from verse number 5. 
Romans 8 from verse number 5. It reads, and I quote, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on what? Things of the flesh. For those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then. So then, what? Those who what? Who are in the flesh cannot what? Cannot please God. I'll read the same scripture to us from the TPT version. TPT version, verse number five. It reads, and I quote, those who are motivated, meaning not all, not everyone in the church, but those, and I must admit, many, those who are motivated by the flesh, only what? Pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the sense and reason of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan. And refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh or by their flesh. So while reading the scriptures, we kept hearing the word flesh, flesh, flesh. What exactly is the flesh? What exactly is the Bible referring to by talking about the flesh? What exactly is this flesh? What does it denote? The word flesh denotes mere human nature. The earthly nature of man, apart from divine influence, and therefore is prone to sin and is opposed to God. I'll repeat, the flesh denotes what? The natural human nature. The earthly nature of man apart from divine influence and therefore is prone to sin and is opposed or totally opposed to God. The word flesh there is from the word is actually the word also you find it put in King James that those who are carnally minded to be carnal is to be fleshly and that word is from the word canine Canine, you see those long teeth that carnivorous animals, especially the lions or the wild cats have, which they use in tearing flesh. Tearing flesh. So he said those who are carnal or fleshly minded, fleshly minded, they cannot please God. It is that natural human nature, the fallen human nature, the natural thinking, natural pattern, natural living that is totally devoid of divine influence, divine guidance, divine direction. 
Meaning that when you are in the flesh, you don't consider God in your decisions. When you are in the flesh, it's all about me. It's all about what I want to do. It's all about what feels good. And many times it does not even matter what anybody thinks about it. It's called in the world the rat race. Because it doesn't matter what you do, whether it hurts people or not. It doesn't matter. And unfortunately, some of these things are also in the church. When we say things, we do things, it doesn't matter how anybody feels about it. It doesn't matter whether it's hurting anyone. As long as you feel good about it, as long as you want it, then you go for it. No, we can't continue to live in that way. The Bible says, those who are in the... Let, let's go back to verse 5. What does it say? It says, those who are motivated, those who live according to the flesh, or those who are motivated by the flesh, what happens? They are, the only word set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for to be carnally minded is what? Is death. But the spiritually minded is life and peace. Let me show you a very good example of this. And I'll take you to Matthew chapter number 16 from verse 21. The book of Matthew chapter number 16 from verse number 21. Reads and I quote, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. If he's in the scriptures, you find it there, you know, that this will be the third time that Jesus was actually talking to his disciples about his impending death on the cross. So he was not telling them again that he will be going to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Verse 22. Then Peter took him aside. Who took him aside? Peter was one of the Pharisees. One of the disciples. In fact, one of the three that were always with him. But why did he do this? If you, you know, I, I don't have time to go into that. Just before this incident, he gave a fantastic, God used him. He spoke very powerfully that Jesus commended him. That you are, that, you know, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they were saying this, they were saying that, but Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my father in heaven. Peter must have nodded. I hope, John, these guys are listening. I know some of us know some things here. Then we know some things here. And of course, he was the oldest amongst them. At this time, it was about 50-something, naturally. You know, Jesus naturally was just how old? Probably in about 33 32, 33 thereabout. So he was far, far younger in the natural than Peter. That's why spiritual things cannot just be looked upon in using the natural circumstances and the natural age. Because age is not tantamount, is not equal to spiritual growth. Hello, somebody. It's not. You cannot say somebody is, uh, oh, I know, because somebody is this old, then is more mature spiritually than everyone. No. Spiritual things are determined by growth in your spirit, not in your natural fleshly body. 
So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, <laughs> he turned and said to Peter, what did he say to Peter? You know, he said, Peter, maybe we need to think about this again. Let, let, let's consider it. And uh, Well, I, I'm not sure I, I said it, but let's give it a second consideration or a second reading or third reading. Is that what he said? But why did Peter pull him aside? Why did Peter do that? Remember, those who are motivated by the flesh only think about what benefits them. So why did Peter pull them aside? Because, ha, 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 you want to go, you want to go where? You want to go and die to the cross? Where would I, where, who would give me another job at the age, almost uh, 55? We left fishing. We left everything. And we are, we are in fact, I've been, I've been, I didn't know it would be, be as good as this. We've been having a good, look at when we go to the cities, we go to the crusade. Sometime before they'll come, they'll come and see me. And I say, okay, do you want to see him? Okay, you, 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 you. So Peter was enjoying it all. And he said, you want to go? You want this thing to end? No, 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 no. You're not, you're not dying, no. You are going to be here. We're going to be here. We still have so many years. <laughs> in fact, we've just started. Crowds of the way I'm seeing you now, we, we, we've had about 20,000. I'm looking at, we're getting to about 50 and shake up all this place. You can't go anywhere. Peter was thinking about himself. He was thinking about his own ride. He was thinking about how, you know, oh, he has been enjoying this. But Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Meaning at this time, Peter did not speak by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Hello, somebody. Did I not tell you to be, that we need to be at a lot always? That if you're not careful, the enemy is so subtle, it can creep up and you can start to say things and start to declare things and start to behave in a way. They say, but where did, where is this coming from? Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, oh, Jim, 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 Jim. What happened? What happened? Satan has crept in. Kept in. And why men slept? The enemy did what? And so tears. But thank God for Jesus. He didn't even address Peter because he realized where he was coming from. He now said, Get deep behind me, Satan! For you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Look at the latter part. Verse 23. He turned to Peter and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Was he addressing Peter there? No, he turned to Peter, but was addressing the spirit that was operating through Peter at that moment. But he now said this. What was Peter's angle in it all? How did this happen to Peter? Because Peter was mindful of the things of men and not the things of God. Because Satan cannot just bump into you without your cooperation. Either by ignorance or by word, but you will fully follow him. Hello, somebody. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Let me explain that. He said, Peter, your mind is full of the things of men, 
not the things of God. And the enemies now stepped in, took advantage of that natural reasoning, and is now speaking through you to dissuade me from fulfilling God's plan and God's purpose. Mindful of the things of men, I said that to say this. Let me take you back to Matthew, I mean Romans chapter 8, from verse number 5. Romans chapter 8, from verse number 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set what? Their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, also we can expand that scripture and say, they set their minds on the things of the spirit. So the mind is a doorway to the spirit. Hello? The mind is a doorway to the spirit. What eventually gets into your mind will get into your spirit. It's just a question of time. So Peter was what? Mindful or his mind was filled with the things of the natural. Things of the natural. Peter was considering the news from the city. The noise, what everybody is saying. Considering what Channel 9 I just said. Considering what ABC I just said. Considering what everything I just said. One of the things, and I thank God for this. I give God praise for this. And I'm not saying that, yes, I'm super, super, super. But one of the things that God has taught me and trained me is listening to my spirit in spite of what is happening around me. Sometimes people come and they share some things and they're talking. I'm listening to them. I'm also listening to my spirit. Because what? There's no art to find the mind's construction in the face. Because some people are, oh my, 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 my. By the time they come like that, you don't even know. But when you listen to the one, who what? Who can read the heart? Who knows what is there? You will be able to check it out to find out whether what they're saying is actually what? True or not. I've learned that. And it's helped me many times. That is why I'm no, you know, it makes it, I'm not moved by a lot of the gra-gra and a lot of things. I'm not moved by it. The moment I get clearance in my spirit, the moment I know what God is saying in my spirit, the moment I know what God is saying, I remain unmoved. I'm like a bulldog holding on to the thing in spite of, despite of. Oh, look at what is happening. Oh, look at what is saying. They don't move me a bit. Paul said none of these things move me. They don't move me. I want to hear what God is saying. And look at this scene here. He said, when you set your minds on the things of the flesh, it gives what? It's an open door for the natural things to gain, to gain ascendancy and control over your thinking pattern. And what will it produce? We'll get to that. But those who live according to the spirit, what does that mean? They set their minds on the things of the spirit. They are motivated by the things of the spirit. In fact, they are what? Maybe I need to read to us from, let me read to you uh, from the New Living Translation. 21. Verse 21. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, 
think about things that please the Spirit. Meaning that in their thought pattern, in their thinking, their control, I can give you testimonies and testimonies and testimonies and testimonies of things looking totally contrary. And God says, this is it. And we'll hold on to what God has said. And eventually the circumstances will line up according to what God has said. Yeah. That is why it's so important for our mind to be filled. Because the mind is the doorway to the spirit. What you put into your mind all the time eventually will enter into your spirit man and will determine what you believe. Somebody said, I don't really, I don't know, I'm struggling with faith. I don't have faith. The question is, what have you been putting in your mind all the time? Hello, somebody. What have you been putting in your mind all the time? What have you been fellowshipping with all the time? Am I saying that we're not going to, shouldn't listen to the news? We shouldn't listen, read what is happening? That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about what you are feeding yourself with all the time. What are you feeding yourself with all the time? Who is the one behind those things that you are reading? They will get you into trouble. Hello. They will get you into trouble. Neil Living says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature or by the flesh, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. Verse 22. So letting your sinful nature control your mind, because your mind is always on it, leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Let me give you a very simple example. Have you been walking through, maybe let's say a shopping mall, and then Maybe or maybe somewhere, and they're playing a particular music, and you just listen because you're in the environment. You are not the one playing it. You just listen to it. But by the time you move away from the from that place, two, three, four minutes after, you find yourself almost what humming. Oh no no no! What is that? What is that? It's find yourself humming. Why? Imagine now listening to that particular music all day. Or listening to that news all day. Or listening to that thing. There's some things I don't read in the paper. You know, somebody says, I want to read something to find out what is there. Curiosity kills the cat. You know, oh, the economy will collapse. I just, immediately I just said, no, that's not me. That's not my Lord. I just, I don't bother to say, what did they say about it? They say, five things, what? Five symptoms of stroke. You say, hey, we need to learn about five symptoms of stroke. You just start to read it. You are preparing yourself for the stroke to hit. I don't go there. Amen. Praise the Lord. say, but how will you know when it's happening? Because it won't happen to me. But why can you say that? Because I believe what God says. I believe what God says. I believe what God says. I remember in medical school. When, you know, at the College of Medicine, University of Lagos, when we were there, they would teach a particular course. They would teach a particular thing. They would teach it. By the time you get to, the, to your room, something happens. Ah, is this the thing that they just spoke about there? It's, in fact, eventually it's called, but those are medical, they call it medical student syndrome. Because you find, start to find in your body what has been taught in class, is, is that thing that is there? Is that thing that is there? Is that thing that is there? Why? Because your mind has been on those things 
throughout the lecture. It's so important what you put your minds on. And that is why there's a challenge with the young generation. The current young generation, oh my, my, my. But we are not giving up. We are not giving up on this generation. There's so much distraction. They don't have, you know, to listen to 20 minutes message is a big ask. But, oh, this series, series one, this movie, two hours, 30 minutes, you are glued to it. Another one, the next series, two hours, three minutes, you are glued to it. Am I saying, don't, I didn't say that. But what I'm saying is this, don't major in minor, a minor in major. That's what I'm saying. Make sure. Take time to fill your mind with the things of the Spirit. Why is that? They'll bring what? They'll give you life and peace. They'll give you life. and So the mind is the key here. What is the key? The mind. What you are putting your mind to. What you are, somebody say, I'm so busy. I don't really have time. I need to spend. But you are reading all the news. You are reading this one. You are reading that one. You know, don't major in minor. A minor in major. Yes, we have challenge with our times. Hallelujah. But out of no time, trust God to give you time to invest in the thing that will produce life and and peace. Because if not, then be ready. Because there's an effect of being what? Mind controlled or fleshly controlled or being controlled by your flesh and not the spirit. Why is this so important? Because it will deprive you of the wisdom of God. It will deprive you of the wisdom of God. And you need the wisdom of God in so many things. Why is it that you find out that many Christians are struggling because of lack of the wisdom of God. Why? Struggling in so many areas. Struggling in so many areas. Because, because the wisdom of God has been given by God to help you to rule and reign in life. To dominate in your circumstances. But when you are deprived of that wisdom, you are reduced to the level of any other person. So whatever struggles they go through, you go through. When the world is in turmoil, you are in turmoil. When the things are down, you are down. When things are happening, that is the same thing happening to you. That these things ought not to be. It's so important. The moment your mind is controlled by the flesh, it's not controlled by the spirit. Look at what will happen. You'll be deprived of the wisdom of God. Somebody, I don't understand. Let me take you there. Verse number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. From verse number 6. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 6. What does it say? However, there's a wisdom that we continually speak of. When we are, however, we speak wisdom among those who are what? Those who are mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to what? Coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. I've taught you. Mystery does not mean mysterious. Mysterious simply means something that cannot be known. Something that is, you know, behind the dark place there. Something that is hidden somewhere. But the word mystery simply means something that is yet to be unveiled. 
Meaning that at the appropriate time, it will be unveiled, especially when you have the help from the Holy Spirit. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom we got ordained before the ages for our world. For our glory. Hallelujah. Jesus said, the glory which the Father has given to me, I've given to you. God wants to be magnified in our lives. God wants to be glorified in our lives. If we are battered by circumstances, battered by situations, when we are down and not above, when we are, you know, when things are just totally upside down, then where is the glory? Where is the glory? But when God is at work in you, when God is fashioning you, when God is rebuilding you, when God is at work in you, you see the glory shining forth. You see the things shining, it will, and it will always give you a reason to work. To be filled with joy. And you, you give you a testimony to share again and again and again to encourage you. Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew? For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The cross was a trap. Hello, for the enemy. If they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But thank God, thank God that Jesus came to set you and I totally free. Verse 9, verse it is written, I has not seen. Is the wisdom of God that will produce in your life things that eyes have no word, things that ears have no word, things that have not entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So when you are deprived of wisdom, you are deprived of the things that eyes are yet to see, ears are yet to hear, and the things which what have not entered into the minds those things which are so powerful, but the wisdom of God is what will produce them in your lives. I believe as a church, we're entering into dimensions. And he spoke to me again this year, uh, this morning when I was praying regarding next year. I'm so excited, not just about next year, the next 10 years. I'm so excited about it. And he said to me, is a year word of full manifestation. Full ma of fullness of manifestation. Fullness of manifestation. I'll reserve the remaining for crossover. Fullness of You know what S has been saying to me? That the words that he spoke to us this year, that the words that he spoke to us last year, that those words, if you are still willing to believe them, not word, forget about them, that you will still experience them. That his words will not return to him void to the person who believes. That if you hold on to the word, that is a year. Oh, but we've left 2021. We're now in 2022. But if you still continue to believe that in this year 2022, it will be your year of open doors and limitless possibilities that will be your experience. That's why he said year of fullness of manifestation. Because the word you've spoken spoke three years ago. He spoke two years ago. He spoke years ago. Maybe you have not experienced and it will take you back there. You can go back there and say, Lord, I've not experienced this in my life. But you are talking about fullness of manifestation or full manifestation. Lord, I believe it's through time. Now is the time. Have we not been saying it? Now is the time. 
that the Lord will work. Arise and have mercy upon Zion. Why is it that we need the mercy of God? Because we've been negligent. Because we have not been committed. We have not been fervent. We have been at ease. And the enemy has taken advantage. But God's mercy will come over us. So that there will be a restoration of the things that the enemy has devastated. Hallelujah. Amen. Fullness of manifestation. Full manifestation of the thing that God has been saying to us. And you start to see them happening to you. And I'm telling you, there cannot be full manifestation. Thinking things will happen naturally. This will be supernatural happenings. Where people will hear those things and say, what? Did that happen? He said, yes, it happened. How did that happen? Then you say, God. You say, God, look at what God has done. We give the glory to God. We're giving glory to God. Look at what God has done. Look at what God has done. That is why we come once in a year, apart from what we do all the time, to come and say, Lord, thank you. We thank God. We give him glory. But we also acknowledge the people that God has been using for us. I don't want us to be prideful people that will say, it's just God. give all the glory to God. I don't care about anybody. No, no, no. There are people that God has used to bless you. People that God has used for you, you need to acknowledge them. The cross is both vertical and horizontal. The vertical talking about what? Heaven. And the horizontal talking about what? Our relationships here on earth. Amen. God will use people. And when you learn to give glory to God and to acknowledge what our you know, people that God has been using for you, you see that, you see the triumph of God in your life again and again and again. Amen. Praise God. God has revealed them to us by what? His Spirit. So if your mind is not on the things of the Spirit, how will you receive those revelations? For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, what? Yes, what? Do you want to see wonders in your life? Do you want to see wonders in your life? Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> oh, my, 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 my. L- let me continue. I'll come back to that. Verse 11. He said, but what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man what is it, which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of what? The spirit of God. Verse 20, 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Amen. Let me read it to us from the TPT. I love why do you do this? You read from TPT. You read from mercy. Because I'm a student of the word of God. I want to see everything in its full dimension. Because we are going into the year of fullness. Amen. We can't just take one word here or one verse here and you're wrong with it. What is it saying? Because content determines context. What exactly is the full context of that thing? Verse number 9 from TPT. This is why the scriptures say, Things never discovered or had before. Are there things that have not been discovered concerning you? Are there things that lie in your future that you don't know yet? Absolutely. Oh, things never were discovered or had before. Things beyond our ability to imagine. 
These are the many things that God has, has in store for all his lovers. Verse 10. But now God unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by spirit, the Spirit of God. For we did not receive the Spirit of this world, system, but the Spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. And we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit. Amen. Not with the words taught by human wisdom, we join together Spirit-revealed truth and Spirit-revealed words. Hallelujah. We join together what? Spirit-revealed truth with Spirit-revealed words. Which, meaning that, which means that as those things have been unveiled to you, and they have been revealed to your spirit, you're also declaring them with your mouth. We join together Spirit-revealed truth with Spirit-revealed words. 14. Someone living in, on an entirely human level to be fleshly-minded rejects the revelations of God's spirit for they make no sense to him or her. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Those who live in the spirit are able to carefully do what? Evaluate all things and they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but to God. How do we ensure that this is our experience always. I'll take you to the book of Galatians, chapter number 5, from verse number 16, and I'll close with this. How do we ensure this is so critical? We have not been called to live naturally in this life. We have been called to live supernaturally in this life, to live our life, even though we're in the natural, but supernaturally, but how many of us are experiencing that supernatural power of God in our lives? Many times, Christianity has just become what? A lingo. That, oh, you're a Christian, you're a Christian. In fact, there was a time way back in Africa, many years ago, that the thing was sweeping the floor. Even cars became born again because we were putting the labels on cars. I am born again. Ideas and that. No, 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 no. It's not a lingo. No, it's a life in the spirit. It's a life that God has called us to live so that God can distinguish his people. Make a distinction between them and the world. To display them. Why did he choose Israel? The same reason why he chose Israel. The same reason why he chose the church. He chose Israel to separate them from the park. From the nations around them. So that by his doings, his wonders, his, his, his workings in their lives, others can say what exactly is happening. And they will be able to say to those nations, it is the God of heaven that has been doing this for us. So that other nations can start to world also appreciate the God of heaven and embrace this God that has been good to Israel. Same thing for the church. 
He chose you. He called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that through his supernatural workings, through the display of his grace, through the performance of his word, when others are saying they are, we are cast down, and you are saying we are lifted up, when others are saying well, there is no way, you are saying God is making a way for me, when others are saying we don't know what to do, when you say the spirit of God will guide me, and they see the manifestation of that, they say wait a minute, God is with him, and we want to follow his God, it is time. It is time for God to display himself through our life. It is time for manifestation of signs and wonders through you, through me, through the church of God. It is time. We cannot be living our lives naturally and expect the supernatural to, well, to be our experience. We must connect with the supernatural power of God so that we can experience the supernatural and become the display trophy that God intends for you to be in this world. Verse 16. I say then to you, walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. For the flesh lost against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you, that you wish. Let's go back to verse 16. How do you ensure this walk in the spirit? What does the word walk means? To take deliberate step towards a destination. Walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Somebody say, I don't know. I'm just struggling with this flesh. He's trying to pull me. I'm, I'm, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm allowed. No, no, it's not about, it's not about, oh, it's not by, Power is not by mind, but but just yielding yourself, yielding yourself. When you find what the word of God says concerning His promise, you just obey it. That's the way to walk in the spirit. It's not difficult. It's not rocket science. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not uh, quantum physics. It's just what see what God is saying in His word, and you simply doing what I don't understand it. But Lord, I believe your word. I come under the authority of your word. You know, I tell the Lord many times, I say, Lord, feel free to bump into me. Feel free to correct me. Feel free to, feel free. You don't need, you don't, you don't need permission to come into this house, into this spirit. You come in anytime you wish. You come in anytime you want. Feel free to walk in and walk out. You don't, you don't need, you know, invade my space. Those are my prayer points. Invade my space. Feel free. Feel free, be comfortable, come in anytime. Which, if I'm going this way, you feel this not where I should go, turn me. I said, don't go that way, son. Turn around, go in this direction. And then, you know what happens? We turn around and then we go in the direction that he wants us to go. We don't say, no, 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 that's what I want. No, no, no. I've given him that authority. I've given him that permission in my life. I'm not, the, I'm not Lord over my life. I'm not Lord over myself. He is my Lord and my Savior. So he directs me. He controls. He changes. He says, do this. He says, do that. He says, in every area of my life, you can ask my wife, she'll tell you, that is the way that I live my life. Why? Because I know that at the end of the day, that even though it may look as if one is disadvantaged, it may look as if you have said, look at what others are doing. Look at what, if they just say that to me, I don't go there. Because all I want is that the hand of the Lord is upon me. And when the hand of the Lord is upon me, I will outrun every Ahab to the gates of Jezreel. Because we are living in the days. 
that it's not just going to be by word. I've told you before, it's not going to be by labor. It's going to be by favor. It's not going to be by grade. It will be by grace. What will you say? How many years do you need to fulfill this particular position? You need four years. You need four to six years. Then the grace of God comes upon you. The hand of God comes upon you. They say, but you don't have this. But you have something attracts them to you. You talk in a way that they, that say, oh, this person seems to be different. So, well, suddenly, they are not saying the experience. They just say, it's you that you need. And I'm not talking about something. I'm talking about something that is happening to people even with us. That is where we are in. It's not going to be by label. It's going to be by favor. It's not going to be by grace. It's going to be by grace. The grace that will distinguish you. So he says, then, how do I explain that? I want to explain that. Oh, walk in the spirit. It shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lost against the spirit. is always pulling away. And the spirit against the flesh. For these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under world, under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are fornication, adultery, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, and the like, of which I tell you, listen to me very well, before that just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who make it their practice. But what is the fruit of the Spirit? Is what? Have you noticed that this is the fruit of the Spirit? The fruits of the Spirit are say the fruit because the fruit of the spirit is what is one love, but there are nine manifestations of it. The fruit of the spirit is love and what joy. Because where there's love for God and love for man, some many many years ago, may I've not met with the Lord. I remember there was this particular person who was you know when this place walking and she was already a Christian. But the way she was conducting herself. And she would say, I, I, I love God. I don't care about man. And I, I could not just relate with that. I could not just relate with that. It's, a, it's love for God. And what? Love for If you truly love God, you love his creation. Love for God. I was sharing this with some of us yesterday. At, at you know, time of Christmas. I said, what should define us? In the city of refuge is the love of God. The love of God. To love one another. I know we are not there. Not everybody is there yet. But that's our goal. That's our goal. That we can leave our little ones with one another. And they will take care of it. And see, the, those children are their children. Well, we care for one another. We are there for one another. We don't need a lot of messages when the love of God is our work. When the love of God is on display. It will preach the message of the kingdom by itself. The fruit of the spirit is love. But when there's fighting, I'm born again. I'm fighting in, in, in strife with one another. Oh, no, no. There's no you're not going to go anywhere. Nobody will believe what you're saying. It's even the wrong atmosphere. It's not the atmosphere of heaven. Heaven is not attracted to strife. It's the aim that is attracted to strife. Heaven, the atmosphere of heaven is the love of God. It's love. Where there's love, joy. Peace, long suffering, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Look at it. Gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no word. The true interpretation of that is against such there is no limitation. Can you see why there is limitation now? Against such there is no limitation. Let me read it to us from the TPT and I will close with that. Verse 16. Let me emphasize this. Let me emphasize, you find the title there, the Holy Spirit is our victory. Let me emphasize this. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. 17. When your self-life craves the thing that offends the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living. Can you see the reason why we're not expressing the supernatural in the church now? Hello? Because many are craving the things that offend the Holy Spirit. We are doing the things that offend the Holy Spirit. We are saying the things that offend the Holy Spirit. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then, the two incompatible conflicting forces, because you cannot be pursuing the Holy Spirit and pursuing the flesh at the same time. They are incompatible forces. The two incompatible forces are what? Are what? Within you. The two incompatible forces within you are your self-life. Your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. Verse 18. But when you yield to the life of the spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored. Hello, resentment when others are favored this is something I've learned. That when you learn to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, the time will come when they will also come and what? Rejoice with you. It's a seed you are sowing. When somebody comes and share testimony, say, oh, well, and what comes is jealousy, envy, and those things. You deny yourself from experiencing such favor. When somebody comes to me and says, oh, this is what God has done, I jump with them. I'm excited for them. I'm happy for them. Even though I may not have that thing or it may not be, but I know that my own time will come. Because the heaven is so big for each bird to fly without each person eating each other. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. The behavior of the self-life, I mentioned that, verse number 20, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, anger, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions. 21. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Uncontrolled addictions. Wild parties. And all other similar behavior. 
Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine law in all its various expressions or varied expressions. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart and strength of a spirit. Never set the law above these qualities for they are meant to be. This is the key to experiencing what? Limitless possibilities. Walking in the spirit. The fruit of the spirit. Because when you're walking in that, it will set you on a path of limitless possibilities. You will not be hindered by circumstances. You will not be limited by what is limiting others. In conclusion, I will say this. We've looked at three faith inhibitors. Number one, the enemy above, represented by Satan. Number two, the enemy around us, represented by the world and its systems. And finally, the enemy within, which is the flesh, the natural tendencies of the fallen human nature. But the good thing is this, that Jesus defeated them all. We are therefore not fighting for victory. We are fighting for victory. We can rule and reign in life by the unction, by the help, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the hand of God coming upon us in spite of all of these inhibitors that are there. It is time. It is time for us to start to walk in that supernatural power of God. It is time. It is time. It is time to become the display trophy that God has ordained you to be. That cannot happen living the natural life. That cannot happen indulging the flesh. That can only happen when you set your mind on the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because those who are in the flesh can never please God. Let's rise up on our feet. Heavenly Father, I want you to go ahead and thank God for the word you've heard. Thank him. Thank him for this word. Thank him for the word you've heard. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this word. These words have come to challenge us. Calling us. To a higher dimension of living. And Father, we say we are ready. We say, Lord, we are willing. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just pray. Pray for yourself. And ask him to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Help you to live this supernatural life. Ask him to help you that you are not dominated and inhibited. One by Satan the enemy, two by the world and the systems of the world around you, and three by your flesh. Ask him to strengthen you with mind by his spirit in the inner man. And if you don't know him, this is the time to say, Lord, come into my heart. Or maybe you walked away from him. Ask him to come into your heart right now. 
Father, in the name of Jesus. I just want to pray for those who want to rededicate their hearts to you. Wherever you may be watching. Or those that will listen to this message after today. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, even as they dedicate or rededicate their lives to you. I pray, O oh Lord my God, for a fresh unction of the Spirit of God. Lord, I'm asking that you come and be their Lord and be their Savior. And Lord, I pray that none will be living just in the flesh, living in the natural and being dominated by the natural life. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, come and help us. We agree that we can't do this in our strength. And you had, you've never asked us to do anything in our strength. All you are looking for is a willing heart. Father, we say we are willing. Walk in us to will. Walk in us to do of your own good pleasure. Lord, I pray, come and make a distinction with our lives. Come and make a difference with our lives. Father, so that we can become, oh Lord, my, what others will see and be praising your name. Father, it is time. We believe, O oh Lord, it is time. Arise and have mercy upon Zion. The time to favor her. The set time has come. Lord, thank you for your favor. Thank you for what the future holds for us. 2022, a year of fullness. Fullness of manifestations. Full manifestation. And Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that the words you've given to us, they are not gone. Thank you so much, O oh Lord. We reposition ourselves for full manifestation of these words in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to thank you. We give you all the glory, honor, and adoration. Father, for those who have yet, who have known you, and many who are watching, who are born again, who are your children, Lord, I pray for them as, as you put in my heart. Plant our feet on higher ground. Lord, Lord, plant our feet on higher ground. Lord, lift us up and let us stand by faith on heaven's stable land where that I have found, Lord, plant our feet on higher ground. Lord, in just another five to six days, we'll be entering into another year. We just don't want to enter, Lord, this season of our lives in the same way. Plant our feet. Plant our feet as a church. Plant our feet as individuals. Plant our feet on higher ground. Father, thank you for the things you have done for us. But Lord, we know there is so much more available in you. Therefore, we are hungry for more. We desire more. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, let there be manifestations in these days to come that will cause many mouth to hang upon that wow your God did that and we'll be able to say yes our God 
did that for us. Thank you, wonderful Savior. We give you glory, honor, and adoration. Thank you for the rest of the day as we go into our prayer time in the new church building. Thank you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,